This is the weekly sales meeting for January 7th, 2024. My name is Chris Fleming. You could reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is stretch the field. In the American version of football, there's a term known as stretch the field. It is a reference to the idea of the offense using its advantage to create mismatches in the defense. It is a strategic approach, one where an offensive team attempts to maximize their playing area's length. It attempts to use both horizontal and vertical mismatches, all to gain a competitive advantage. On the horizontal, stretching the field involves spreading out the offensive players across the width of the field. On the vertical, stretching the field means attacking the defense deep down the field. Both methods force the defense to cover a larger part of the playing surface. When an offense has superior athletic talent, it can lead to big gains. When it doesn't, it must seek to overload the defense to create areas of weakness. Stretching the field aims to create these gaps or mismatches. Doing so exploits the available space, and that action will open passing lanes or create running lanes. Either way, it creates opportunities for big plays. It is a strategic maneuver to keep the opposing defense on its heels. It maximizes the offensive team's scoring potential. In the current era of American football, these methods favor the offense. One might make the argument that the rules are crafted in such a way to favor the offense. The defensive rules have morphed over the last 20 years to increase scoring. More scoring equals more fan engagement, but this wasn't always the case. In the early 1980s, the Chicago Bears were building a premier defensive unit. Their defensive coach, the legendary Buddy Ryan, was an innovator. He made an indelible mark on football. His revolutionary defensive scheme became known as the 46 defense. The name comes from the uniform number of one of their players, safety Doug Plank. On the infamous 85 Bears Super Bowl team, both Plank and safety Gary Fensick had the nicknames the Hitmen. It was for their bone-crunching style of play. In this innovative formation, a single high safety was responsible for delivering the big blow. But the key to success for the 46 defense was having the athletic talent to create mismatches. For the defense, it overloaded offenses at their weakest point. The real key was the ability of the Bears' athletic front four to create maximum pressure. Ryan's defensive scheme featured four talented linemen. They received support from six linebackers and finally one single high safety positioned close to the line of scrimmage. This aggressive alignment aimed to stifle both the run and the pass. At the heart of the 46 defense was relentless pressure. Ryan orchestrated a complex system of blitzes. He often sent linebackers and safeties from various angles. It created confusion for offensive lines and quarterbacks disrupting their plays. In the 70s and the 80s, the NFL was dominated by running backs. It was the primary aim of the 46 defense to halt the run. By putting 8, 9, or even 10 men close to the line of scrimmage, it forced opposing offenses to run into a crowded box. This made it tough to gain yardage on the ground, to say the least. This defense was adept at neutralizing the running game. This left passing as the primary weapon against the 46. But the aggressive front was complemented by a tight man-to-man coverage in the secondary. This put enormous pressure on receivers and demanded precise throws from quarterbacks, which few could execute. In that innovative 1985 season, Chicago finished the regular season with a remarkable 15-1 record. They dominated in the playoffs and then annihilated a Patriots franchise in the Super Bowl, which had no answer for Ryan's 46. This defense became legendary. They allowed a mere 10 points in three playoff games. 
This included two shutouts in the early rounds before the Super Bowl. The Bears set the tone with ferocious hits. The 46 created relentless pressure on opposing quarterbacks. It forced offensive coordinators to adapt. They had to go back to the drawing board and find ways to counter the aggressive nature of the 46. Like anything else that works that well, it was often imitated but never replicated. Other NFL teams began incorporating elements of the 46 into their schemes. We can still see elements of this defense in today's modern game, although the rules have changed over the years to stifle some of this aggression. One might say that the 46 defense revolutionized the way teams play. It ushered in an emphasis on defensive athleticism. Pressure, aggression, and physical ability became the mainstays of modern defense. They only had one blemish in an otherwise perfect season, and what it took is someone who could stretch the field and use the aggression of the 46 as a weapon for the offense. This brings us to the one blemish on the record of the 46 defense that season. It was a Monday night, late in the 16-game season. The game in question took place on December 2, 1985. The Miami Dolphins, led by quarterback Dan Marino, faced off against the Chicago Bears. On that night, Marino's Dolphins entered Chicago's Soldier Field as the underdogs. The Bears' 46 defense was at the peak of its dominance. They were heavy favorites to steamroll the Dolphins. But Marino said, hold my beer. His performance in this game is nothing short of extraordinary. He displayed pinpoint accuracy. He made quick decisions against the 46 defense. He displayed a total understanding of what the defense was trying to do. He used their strengths against them. He systematically dismantled the 46. His team was able to expose the defensive weakness with surgical precision, something which had not been done to this point in the season. To create an advantage for the offense, Marino used his famous lightning-quick release. He got rid of the ball so quickly that the Bears feared some pass rush couldn't reach him in time. This neutralized the pressure element the 46 relied on. Next, his ability to read the defense and react identified the open areas in the Bears' coverage. The Dolphins were able to take advantage, so much so that for one game in December, the 46 finally had to adjust. For most of the second half, they abandoned their usual blitz-heavy strategy. Miami was able to use their own weapons to their advantage. This meant using their athletic and sure-handed wide receivers. For those who recall, that receiving core consisted of the Marks, Clayton and Duper, and Nat Moore. Marino was able to stretch the field against this aggressive Bears defense. Miami's performance proved that the 46 defense was vulnerable. But it would be several more years before offenses figured out how to scheme to defeat it. Much of the blueprint provided by that game was about the concept of stretching the field. It was about using the aggression of the defense as an offensive weapon. It was to soften the defense and get them to change out or move away from their strengths, thus making them average. Modern football is a game of mismatches. Both sides of the ball are trying to leverage perceived strengths and weaknesses. Buddy Ryan was an innovator on defense. He found ways within the rules to create massive advantages for his team. Meanwhile, others tried to do it on offense. In the 1970s, Lavelle Edwards was a coach at Brigham Young University. He gets credit for creating a pass-happy spread offense known as the Air Raid. This is a spread formation designed to put the defense at a disadvantage. Coach Edwards was betting that his spread formation could create openings and mismatches for his receivers. He was also betting on his superior athletic talent at skill positions. Another variation of this was the run-and-shoot, popularized by Mouse Davis. He read about it in a book called Run-and-Shoot Football, Offense of the Future, by Tiger Ellison. Davis took it to another level, playing without a tight end and employing a scheme that put a premium on speed. By stretching the field both horizontally and vertically, it opened more opportunities for the offense. It gave the offense a major advantage.
In the 1990s, the spread offense took over the college game. Three yards and a cloud of dust were out. Pass-happy attacks led by Hal Mummy at Kentucky and Mike Leach, who was on staff with Mummy at UK at Texas Tech, took Lavelle Edwards' system to another level. They ushered in an extra level of speed to the offensive game. Cue the no-huddle offense, quick passes, and a relentless focus on passing efficiency. The spread offense is now a prevalent offensive strategy. The emphasis is on spreading the field. This spread creates mismatches, and it uses the passing game to gain a competitive advantage. How does this translate to selling? We can use this stretch-the-field strategy to give ourselves a competitive advantage. A well-crafted offense can create more opportunities than an aggressive defense. The defense is always reacting to the ball movement, while the offense is creating the movement. The offense gets to react to the defensive alignment last. We can take that and craft an offensive strategy for our sales teams. We can be first to the market with a strategy to present worthwhile opportunities. Our aggressive movement can command premium pricing positions because we said so. And when it is new, interesting, and different, we get to put our signature on it and stamp it as unique. That can command a premium. Others are content in taking what the defense will give them. Those who ask the budget question hem themselves in and place caps on their own growth. When we cede control of the marketing conversation to someone who is not an expert in the marketing process, we allow the defense to win. There are usually two people in the marketing conversation. There's you and your customer, and one of those should be an expert. Here's a hint. It should never not be you. You need to present, carry, act, and represent yourself as the definitive expert on the subject. Then you need to back up that claim with actions supporting it. Develop a strategy for your customers. Show them what it takes to be successful using your product. Do not fall in the trap of letting them dictate how they will use your outlet. They will hold you responsible for the success of their campaign. And this is often based on anemic or suboptimal investment levels. Stretch the field. Let them know the possibilities and capabilities you provide. Show them how they can impact success. You are not only representing broadcasts, you also have digital holdings, event marketing, database development, and mobile opportunities. How will these dovetail into the total strategy? Above all, don't shy away from the price of what you sell. Hold the line on this number. Years ago, I had a television competitor selling weekend sports. You could count on them to drop the price in a panic sales strategy as the event approached. They trained customers to never buy on Monday. Advertisers knew the price would be half by Friday. My strategy is different. I want to stretch the field. I want to establish the first offer as the value proposition. It gets increasingly more expensive as the week goes on. This defies conventional wisdom and client training. And client training was provided free of charge by us over time. If I have a weekend event, the Monday-Tuesday price is the baseline. On Wednesday, it goes up 25%. 50% on Thursday. Friday is double. I will tell you, I only have to do this once or twice to retrain the market that there is a new air raid offense in town. You better buy early or the price will go up. It defies conventional wisdom. It goes against the grain, but it is inspired by the pioneers who were able to stretch the field. It will give you a competitive advantage. My new book, 52 Weekly Sales Meetings, is now available on Amazon.com. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider ordering a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.